Well, good morning and welcome once again. So, uh, of course, we're carrying on how we've been over into the past few weeks and looking how to improve ourselves and improve us as a church and as a community and looking at how we need to make changes because it's not God's fault. It's ours. It's always ours. We got to look at ourselves, what God wants from us and, and how we can make that happen in our lives and also start to realize why God wants us this way. So many times we think that it's him trying to oppress us, but it's him trying to, to mold us. We need guidance. We need instruction. And only he can provide that. 2 Timothy 3, 16-7 says that all scripture is given in inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today, Father, to, to look at your word. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord, and just take myself out of the way, Father. Just let me be your speaker today, Father, and just let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, the word. It is our absolute blueprint for life. But you know that as being human, one of the human things we tend to do is we want to, to change it. We want to make things better. But not really better. It's to fit what we want. Because we think that we always have our best interests in mind. But a lot of times we are driven by feelings. We're driven by emotions. We're driven by a lack of knowledge. So instead of us conforming to the word we want the word to conform to us when i say the word second opinion which is the title of today's message what do you think of most common way that we think of a, a second opinion is with a doctor we were just talking about doctors this morning and that sometimes they are limited with what they can do. They may not have the right kind of equipment to be able to run the right kind of test. They may need something different than what they have. They may not specialize in that area. So a lot of times we're referred out to a, a specialist that is highly skilled in one specific area of that area that is troubling us so they can further narrow things down. And uh, a doctor is called a practice because there's no, nothing is set in stone. When we're dealing with things like the human body, we can only look at the symptoms that are presented. And with that, they have to look and see what does this fit. And oftentimes they can come to a conclusion 
or they can give you something kind of broad, like an antibiotic that treats many different things that will bring such a situation back to normal. But the human body is changing. Situations are changing. The way the, the viruses and sicknesses works in the world is oftentimes mutating and changing. So oftentimes things don't always work as we have planned. Also, we're relying on man that has to formulate an opinion based on the fact they have. So sometimes when we get a, a diagnosis, we don't like what we hear. A doctor might say that you need to have surgery. That's the only way that you can fix this thing and we need to go in and we need to cut it out. Well, that might be kind of fear inspiring to many of us. We don't like to get cut on. We don't like to get treated in a very aggressive approach. So we might want to seek a second opinion. We'll go to another doctor and we'll start the whole process over and let them examine you and go through the test and go through the results and they're going to look at that and either they're going to agree with the first doctor that yes this is the way or we hopefully they're going to come up with a different solution well maybe we're going to treat it with some kind of medication maybe we'll treat it with some kind of homeopathic way that we can do this and We'll see how that works and leave this other option as a, a last resort. That is a, a second opinion. Even in a, in a legal case, if you have an attorney and you don't like what the first one says, you might want to consult with another one to see if maybe they have a different approach. And this happens in a lot of aspects of life. Unfortunately, we take it upon ourselves when it comes to a lot of aspects of living life, and more importantly, when it comes to living a godly life and the scripture, we tend to want to seek a second opinion when the word of God doesn't quite match what we want it to. Deuteronomy 4 and 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord God which I command you. And I'm not going to go through the rest of them today, but there are other verses, Revelations 22, 18 and 19, Deuteronomy 12 and 32. These are other ones that are giving you basically the same message and a little bit different verbiage there. So uh, whenever we see the same message given to us multiple times in the Word of God, that's something that God really wants us to pay attention to. John 21 and 25 tells us there are also many other things which Jesus did that which they should be written. Everyone, I suppose, even the word world itself could not contain the books that should have been written. Amen. So we see that John's making a statement that Jesus, just during his time here, 
did so much that we can't contain it all. And God has been doing amazing things since it was written in the beginning. Can you imagine all the stuff that God has done that's not recorded? Now, through, through this verse here, it tells me this. That God has given us exactly what we need. He has went through and he has handpicked every word, every verse, and given that to us because this is the instructions that we need for life. Everything here is here of great importance and great detail for the purpose and for the purpose of us fulfilling our lives. We have everything we need right here. It has been hand-picked. It's inspired by God. For us to be better, to do better. And God tells us we're not to add to it. We're not to take away from it. But so many times that we, we do that. We're worried about how people are going to perceive certain things. So we edit it out. There are certain churches, they're forbidden to even use anything from the Songs of Solomon because of its racy nature. But it's in here for a purpose. God has given it to us. There's other subjects and passages that we shy away from because it makes us uncomfortable in some form or fashion. Second opinions. We have a way that we come up with all these cute and unique ways that we can kind of skirt around God's truth. We will go and violate the Word of God. And we cause hurt upon ourselves or hurt upon others. And we use the antidote that everything happens for a reason. And reality is everything that God does is for a reason. But the fact is, the reason that things went off the rails is because we chose not to follow the path of God. We chose not to follow the instructions. We let our feelings and our wants take the wheel and we have poor ramifications. It's not God throwing things into the mix. It's not God causing confusion and chaos. It is us. And I think we get confused sometimes because we serve such a loving God. We serve a forgiving God. And we serve a God that can take 
any mishap and he can turn it around and make it good. We don't see the God in these times. We see that he turns it around for us. He pulls us out of the out of the situation. We see examples in his word. How people mess up again and again. And he's able to turn it around. He's able to use it. There's no body that is too far gone. There's nobody that's too broken. There's nobody out of the wrong lineage that can't be used. But we don't see that as the love of God. We don't see that as God's power. We just see that, well, sometimes stuff happens. We don't see our responsibility in these roles. I can consume a lot of literature, a lot of information. I like to listen to different people's takes on things. I like to further my education, but I also like to see what else is being taught out there. What is influencing the people? Because in today's age with technology, with social media, with podcasts, anybody has a platform to be able to speak. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. We need to be sure that if we are going to put ourselves out there, if we're going to be, need to be speaking truth, speaking facts, speaking what is the Word of God. I've seen many times that they'll take an idea and then they go and they pick and choose what will fit that ideology. And we don't want to look for ourselves. Not to to brag upon myself, but I spend time in the Word of God. So it's easy for me to pick up when something doesn't sound right. And then we go and we look, and sure enough, that doesn't... Makes sense. It's taken out of context. It's taken separated from everything else. It's everything in this book, everything in the Word of God fits together. But if you isolate one little piece and take away what's from the beginning and the end of it, you can change the whole situation. I was looking at some new Bibles, study Bibles, and reading through some of the reviews. And one of the things for a certain volume was that there were things that were missing. You could compare it to an older version, and there were things that were missing. They were words that were changed. And when we do that, we are changing the meaning. We are changing the truth. One word can make all the difference.
seeking second opinions. God is very clear on what we need to do, how we are to act, the people we are to be. But yet, we seek the approval of men. We will consult strangers out there in the world. We'll put a a poll, we'll put out a post and see how strangers from the internet will respond to us. When all the while, God is telling us everything that we need to know. We seek approval of each other when it's God's approval that we need to be looking towards. We, uh, during another one of these times, I was listening to someone speak, and they, uh, they said that they were, were speaking on, on religious matters. They were talking about certain subjects of the Word of God, but yet they said that they themselves was not religious, that they, by choice, chose not to follow any form of religion. And the reason was is that they wanted to live their lives their way. They wanted to live their lives their way and not have to answer or be influenced by anyone or anything. When I hear that, it brings up so much different emotions in me. First of all, it's sad, very sad, because a person that's making these, these bold statements, they have never experienced a life that has Jesus in it. They have never experienced miracles. They've never experienced answered prayer. They've never experienced all of these things. And they're ignorant to what the truth is. So many times we get this idea that God's trying to to hold us back, to keep us from things, to stop us from having fun and and just be a a taskmaster and just have all these things poured upon us. But that is so much further from the truth. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be whole. He wants to give us the desires of our hearts. But we have to do certain things. And we have to be able to receive these things. And we have to have our hearts right. We have to have our minds right to be able to receive these things. It makes me sad because a person like this is like the rest of us. They're going to have their trials, their tribulations. They're going to have their troubles of life. And when they do, us as born-again believers, us with a heavenly father, us with Jesus in our hearts, we have someone to turn to. We have someone to turn to that can comfort us through the situation 
to carry us through the situation, to give us the guidance, the wisdom, and the ability to overcome whatever that situation is. I can't imagine having a life that doesn't have Jesus in it, not have that comfort to be truly alone whenever you need someone the most. And no person can ever fill the shoes of Jesus. No one can give you that comfort. No one can give you what he can give you. And then the anger from this person spreading their false beliefs. And what do we do, folks, when it sounds good, when it's plausible, we want to jump on that wagon. We have someone that doesn't believe. We have someone that's on the fence. We have believers that's not really strong in the Word. And we have someone like that that comes along and talks about how I'm living my best life and I'm doing all these things and I'm living my dreams because I don't answer to nobody. We only see what people want us to see. See all these little pieces keep coming together week after week. We don't see the the struggle. We don't see that missing piece that only Jesus can fill. We don't see all that stuff. We don't see the, the loneliness, the darkness, the missing things that you have whenever you don't have Jesus there taking the place of it. And then they weave a web of how... This part of the Bible don't make sense. And this story just doesn't make sense. And, and how these things just don't fit together. And why would they do such a things? And how can God be so loving if he allows this to happen and this to happen with no foundation, with no kind of direction, with no kind of understanding? And then, of course, it falls upon ears. And then it sounds like it makes sense. And, of course, we never, we never follow up. We would rather watch a movie than read the book. And we can listen to someone else. That's the, the human equivalent of it. We're getting the cliff notes. We don't have to formulate an opinion if we just take someone else's. It's real easy. It's real easy to form a a second opinion. And our biggest ones are the ones that we take upon ourselves, our very own. In the beginning, the serpent said to Eve, you'll surely not die. Did God really say that? Is that what God really means? Are you going to believe that? And we're still doing it today. I don't believe there is a man or a woman that's ever walked this earth 
that could have stood in their place and done any better because we are doing the same stuff today, day after day. Did God really say that? Is that what God really wants? We look at our our moral standards. We see something that makes us feel uncomfortable. We outlaw it. We tried to destroy it. We see something that hurts feelings. We make that politically incorrect. And we make people feel bad about standing up for what's right and what is just and especially what is godly. We want to twist things around and make it work for us. Because there's always some kind of cute antidote that we can slap on something. And it's not just for the non-believers. It's not for the people that's on the fence. Christians, church, we are guilty as well. Maybe even worse, because we want to put on the persona of loving Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We proclaim it. I want to be like Jesus. We want our church to do all kinds of things. We want to have a, a godly church, a loving church, but we don't do it in action. We say we have a heart for God, but we sure don't give it to anyone else. If you don't look like us, if you don't act like us, if you don't dress like us, you can't be one of us. Take your pain, take your trouble, and go somewhere else. We want to look at what makes us happy. And we take it and we twist it. Back to the word. We have so many different versions now and so many different things have been changed over the years and it keeps getting more and more vague and they're wanting to change terminology and pronouns to make everything more politically correct so no one gets offended. The fact is, we should want people to get offended. Because that's the only way that we're going to see a change. We need to start making decisions about how we want to live our lives. We need to decide whether if we truly want to live a life for Jesus or we just want to pretend 
And if it's the latter, if we're just going to pretend, if we're just going to put on a show, if we're just going to have social gatherings, and we're going to gossip, and we're going to have fun, then, then why bother? We might as well go to the movies, or go bowling, or go play golf. Changes need to be made. With everything good, with change, there's always some struggle. There's some sacrifice. You want to lose that weight? You want to get in better shape? You're going to have to cut out the sugar, cut out the carbs. You're going to have to apply yourself. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to go exercise. You have to put in the work. You have to deny yourself certain things to be able to accomplish these goals. Do you want to be like Jesus? Then you're going to have to deny yourself things of the world. You're going to have to deny yourself going with the pack, being part of the big crowd. You're going to have to close that book of second opinions and just go with not what is the opinion, but what is the fact, and that is the Word of God. We have to make these decisions. There is so much to gain. So much to gain. We base our happiness so much on money, on possessions, on people. But the thing of it is, these are things that are are so temporary. Fortunes are won, fortunes are lost, things come and go. You know, you save up for that, that special thing, whether it's the, the latest and greatest phone or it's a new vehicle or, or whatever the case may be. And you get it, and for a moment, you have the absolute best until the next model comes out. And there's always something new. Well, this one does something else special. It's got more power. It's got more speed. It does all these things better than the last version. And they do that because they want you to keep upgrading. They want you to keep buying. And eventually, that thing is going to break. That thing is going to be thrown away and replaced with something else. Money comes, money goes. People come and go. Not everybody we associate with is going to spend, we're going to spend eternity with. These are facts of life. Not everyone's going to make that decision. The things that we're going to take with us is how we act. How we act in public. Also, how we act when no one else is around. Our relationship with God. The person that we have become. What we did in the name of the kingdom. What we did for others. How we present and carry ourselves. Those are the things that we will take with us into eternity. Those are the things that God's going to look at. Those are the things that God's going to judge us on. Nothing else matters.
And really, if we are to look at an account of our lives, what kind of a person do you want to be? Let's say for a minute there's no rewards, there's, there's nothing to gain, but we're just going to look back on an account of our lives. And on one side we can say, well, I did it my way, I didn't answer the nobody, I had a lot of fun, I did a lot of things, I accumulated a lot of things, but I really didn't do anything for anyone else. I didn't really accomplish anything. I haven't left nothing behind of any importance. And I'm not bringing nothing with me of any importance. Or we can say that we lived a a godly life, that we followed the Word of God, that we were an example to others. We helped others. We were comfortable. We had what we needed, but stuff didn't have a hold on us. And we grew, and we developed, and we had faith, and we had a relationship with God. We can be happy for a moment. You know, we buy that thing, we take that trip, we do that thing, and then that comes and it goes and it fades. Or we can be like Peter, we can be like Paul, we can be happy in each and every moment. We can count it all joy because we have God, that God is our source. God is that well that runneth over and never runs dry. Unlike the things of the world that are temporary and ever-changing. We have that choice to make. What are you going to decide today?